Hi everyone, this is Vanessa. Today on Never the Empty Nest, we are talking about a popular subject in nests everywhere around the world, food. We'll be right back. Like a sparrow building shelter with branches for its young. My mother built a nest with love for her little ones. My grandfather told her, doesn't matter what you have. The only thing you need for life is each other's helping hands. And never the empty nest, my mother always says. everybody welcome to another episode of never the empty nest i'm vanessa and i'm jackie and today we do not have nicole sadly my sister because she is at a doctor's appointment but it happens so you're just gonna get one mom and daughter team um so mom how was your day today was it kind of mine was crazy i took Italian, my day so, yeah. was, mm-hmm. was very interesting and very exciting because I had to take my mom, well, I had to cut my hair. Uh, I, my husband had to cut his hair and we decided to schlep my mother along because someone gave her a home hair color that turned out super weird and super ugly. She, it was some kind of strange red and her hair was long and I said, I can't take it anymore. So... Taking her anywhere nowadays is like extra time. It's like snail pace. And we took Taika, our grandson, our three-year-old. But he was actually, surprisingly, because he's very active, he was great. He played with Abu while we were doing our hairs one at a time. So that, at the end, worked very, very well. It was just a little stressful. But it my mother looks great. Uh, she's happy with her hair, as am I, and uh, so that worked great. Your hair looks great, by the way. Thank yeah. you. And Taika loves field trips. He's actually the calmest on field trips. Um, you might hear him in the background, by the way. I don't know if you do, but you might. <laughs> um, I just took Italian because I'm taking Italian classes. It's the first time I've been a bad student in my whole life. And I'm like not doing my homework. I do my homework, but I don't do it the way that I like to do homework when I'm taking a course. And I feel like I'm behind, but I can say um, little things. Like I realized I wanted to say that my sister wasn't here today on the show. And I was like, oh, I can say that. I think mia sorella non è qui oggi. I think that's correct. Italians out there, forgive me. But anyway, it's kind of linked to our, our theme for today. I was reading up about Italians and and this quote that Fellini said came up and it it says life is a combination of magic and pasta which is awesome (laughs) I love that (laughs) can't get any better than that I know it's super Fellini I love it too so the theme for today is food and family and so we're going to be talking a lot about that and when I was thinking about it um the first thing that came to mind in terms of like kids related things was Winnie the Pooh because you know honey and how adorable that is and that show is so I'm always looking for good content as someone who writes tv for kids and also has kids and it's just so gentle and I just love that Pooh is such a little glutton you know I love it 
But we'll start with this little section of Winnie the Pooh. It's like a paragraph in one of the books. Okay, so it says, When you wake up in the morning, Pooh, said Piglet at last, what's the first thing you say to yourself? What's for breakfast, said Pooh. What do you say, Piglet? I say, I wonder what's going to happen exciting today, said Piglet. Pooh nodded thoughtfully. It's the same thing, he said. <laughs> so cute. Um, but it really, you know, it's such a beautiful, I love how they deal with food and sweetness and honey on that show. And I don't know, what do you think of, mom, when you think of, of food and family? It's such a big topic. Food is such a, an amazing thing that is here for us. It's so beautiful when you look at it, even before you make it. If you put it together and, and when you do groceries, I know that I, the three of us go through this. Every time you come home, you do groceries, you put it out. And if you take a moment just to look at that bounty, it's, uh, it's amazing. And then that's the first thing I think about food. The older I get, the more I appreciate it. And then obviously for us, and I think that for many, many people in many, many cultures, food is the center of family. It's feeding each other, you know, first you, you, you feed your, your babies or each other or your parents when they get older. Or it's like the gift that keeps on giving. You buy it, you're able to buy it. Okay, that's the first thing. You're able to buy it, you're able to grow it, you're able to enjoy it. So it's this whole big thing of gratitude for me, sort of like water. And that's another topic for another day. But um, yeah, my mom has this thing where she's she's always says, "I'm so grateful for showers," as in like showering in the bath. I am. I, I always, you know, I I'm always grateful to my creator for having put me in a place and time where I have all this abundance of water to drink and to shower. It's it's <laughs> such a wonderful thing. Or take baths. It's 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 amazing. I mean, I think part of the 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 maybe the reason why we feel so such a good family connection to food is partially um i mean for me definitely it's linked to my grandfather to papan and him like when we just cleaned out his his books and so many of them were cookbooks from all over the world and i just remember being at their house at my grandparents house on the weekends and he would say okay well what are we going to make today and we would make chips from scratch like we would shave potatoes and then fry them we would make all kinds of bread he actually told me a ton of stories i talk about this a lot he told me a lot of stories while we baked bread that was a very big deal for him because he always said you could survive with with a loaf of bread and a, and a, you know a, a satchel of wine essentially like that's all you needed in life but then, you know, he loved Julia Child and we would watch all those shows like we would watch those cooking shows before, uh, you know, the Cooking Network or any of those uh, any of those things. So he also had a lot of inventions like the cereal with raisins. Oh, we that we would have, be multimillionaires. We would be very wealthy. The, the things he, he, he <laughs> I mean, you're going to hear it over again because it's our reality. I'm Cuban. I'm a refugee. I came in 1962. So my father is from Spain and lived in Cuba since he was about 17 or 18. So 
Um, but he, I remember us being here and poor because we were poor at the beginning. I never felt I was poor, but I look at it now and I say, yeah, I guess we were pretty poor, but we always had food on the table. And I remember my father making croutons and nobody talked about croutons. This was at least, you know, in Miami in uh, 1962, in our little world at the time. We would buy bread, right? He would buy bread and we would eat the fresh bread. And when the bread started getting a little hard, he would still, we would still continue to um, enjoy the bread because he would cut it in big chunks and he would stir fry it uh, or fry it and, and he would put garlic in it and, and delicious croutons. And then he would buy cornflakes and one day we would have cornflakes, just regular cornflakes. And then the other day we would have cornflakes with nuts. And then the other day we would have cornflakes with raisins and it was pretty amazing and it was it was before all this was popular i mean this was many 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 this years was 1962 ago. yeah i mean this is like before even california was on it you know <laughs> <laughs> um other things that i remember are like when there were the occasional because he was always about enjoying everything you know like you could have anything that you wanted as long as it was in a certain kind of moderation you know so every once in a while we would go to mcdonald's and he would say like i remember say him saying okay we're gonna write a poem about which one we're gonna choose mcdonald's or burger king that is the question and i was 10 years old and of course mcdonald's or burger king that is the question and then he brought down shakespeare from the shelves and was like this is where this comes from and he showed me you know hamlet so all of that is embedded in food for me it also gets like Ugh, complicated with family and food because, and this is something I want to ask you too, mom. I mean, my dad died of obesity. So essentially food killed him, you know? And so there's all this beauty that arises out of food that is very much a part of our family. And then there is a dark side to it. How do you, do you remember living with, I mean, we know from, from the, uh, from other times that we've talked about it, that, you know, you got divorced after 18 years of marriage, but you always said, I didn't divorce you because you're fat. But at the same time, everything that made him that way and that, that problem that he had with food, which is an eating disorder. What was it like being married to someone like that? I can talk about what it was like to have a dad like that, but what was it like? And the good and the bad, right? I can say good stuff for sure and negative things. But for you, what was it like being married to someone who was obese all the time that you were married? Because food is so celebratory in general. Uh, we always celebrated, you heard Papan's stories those were delightful, gourmet-ish foods throughout my entire life. With or without money, it didn't matter. He knew how to do it. Then your dad was also celebratory with, mm -hmm. with food. Like That's anytime uh, we would celebrate anything, it would be with an abundance of food. That, I mean, I just want to say something to that because that part, I feel like that's the good memories of that. Like he definitely was an enjoy all of life, take it all in, you know, that kind of a person. So the the sort of life like clown even of the party, the one who told all the jokes and all of that sort of thing. But I remember like going to Epicure with him, like markets, you know, gourmet markets on, on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings and bringing a ton of food home and anybody who wanted could come in or out and that kind of open door for the whole family revolving around food and not just food that was Cuban because he was really about like let's go get Jewish food and Greek food and all kinds of food from all over the place you know 
I remember I was a vegetarian, like I turned vegetarian when I was 12 and he discovered a Jewish diner that was also vegetarian really early on. And this was like, you know, 90 or whatever, you know, 1990 something. And, um, he took me to it, you know, it was like this big, so all that stuff was great. But then I also remember him falling asleep in the car at the wheel because, when you're that big, it's like the oxygen doesn't get to your brain, you know, when you're trying to, like at night, you know, he didn't sleep at night, and then he would fall asleep during the day, and it was pretty, it was a lot. All this international stuff came in uh, because he, when we met each other, he was very Cuban, all he knew was Cuban food, he was still celebratory with the Cuban food, but then he came into our family, and we had a great, wonderful friend. Her name was Anna. She was Italian. And she used to make these amazing, I would call them like banquets. And, 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 and would have they us They called over. her Anna l'Italiana. Anna l'Italiana. Anna the Italian. <laughs> You'll see with Cubans, you always get an endearing nickname. And it has to do with something that, you know, la chiquitica, if you're small, la grande, if you're big, la italiana, because it was so wonderful, you know, all this food. So that's how he he actually grew up um, in that. And then Papang introduced him to everything that I had been introduced to, you know, brie and croutons and uh, aioli and paella and all these other diverse foods and he took it on for on his own he loved mm-hmm. it yeah actually papang introduced all of us he but papang used to work in, in on the beach so they had a really close relationship also i think At they had a point, really yes, good yes. Uh, in a lot of different points they had a really fun lively like relationship my grandfather and dad yeah yes how weird is this what i'm going to say right now i never linked your father's issues with food mm. i linked them to his persona. He had big issues going on in his character, in his psyche. And and I knew that that was the problem. The problem was not food. Yeah, but he was trying to fill and all that void and all those issues and all the everything with food. Yeah. But this is what I can tell you. Yeah, Uh, This is my connection to it. I, I never saw it as the the problem wasn't the food. The problem is not the food. That's just a symptom of the bigger problem. So it didn't have any effect on me on the food situation. Well, what about when you had to go on diets with him? You guys had to go on... He, oh, well, you, well, because of his obesity, by the way, we're not, he's not here, at least in, in the planet with us, but nothing is being said that he was not spoken to him. Yeah. He knows yeah. about this. He was very, very big, and I feared for his health. And so we went to, I I found this program at UM, which was a nutrition program. Nutrition. Nutrition. And so we went and I said, I'm going to do it with you. Like in support of that, you're going to be doing something that may or may not be difficult. We didn't know because we hadn't gone. We we, we were going to start doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it as well. So it's the two of us doing the same thing. And we started and it was a common, it was a great program. Uh, it was led by a doctor and it was all about nutrition and 
good food and exercise and how it's really a lifestyle change. Yeah, sorry, I'm smirking because I, I remember popcorn from that. Yes, that <laughs> was our cheat that, food. That was our cheat. I just, that moment in time I was a kid. Yeah. And when you guys did that, my like all my memories, sense memories, like popcorn, well, popcorn. Because- the funny thing <laughs> about the popcorn is that that was a cheat food, okay? The, the, you had to eat, it, it, because at the very beginning of that, of that program, you had to go, it was like a liquid like diet, a but it was like um, shakes and soups. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's, he never got to the point where they introduced the food because he quit. But during that small, I lost 30 pounds, by the way, because <laughs> I did it. Uh, it wasn't that horrid. I mean, it was a big change, but you had to go through the boot camp at the beginning then to start incorporating all the lifestyle changes. Well, the thing is that we go to the movies in the Gables one day. So the doctor had said, you can have your soups, you can have your 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 shakes or whatever it is that they're giving them to sort of fast and clean out and whatever yeah. it is. It's like what the detox would be now, but, you know, um, to get them to lose, I think, a big chunk of weight right. right up front and then get into the nutrition. But they could cheat with a moderate-sized amount of popcorn. Well, not yet. Th- that's the joke. Oh, they couldn't what? cheat yet with Not popcorn. yet with the popcorn. So, But they knew it would become a cheat food. Yes. Okay. In a way, it was like nooming, if I may say that. Well, noom, can, can you be our sponsor? Okay, yeah. let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to the movies and we were on the soup and shake diet. He insists on getting popcorn with butter. And I'm saying, I'm not sure that this is the time now. And then, you know, after that, I said, well, maybe we shouldn't have come to the movies now and waited until. And so he buys the popcorn, right? Okay, he buys the popcorn. And who do we find at the movies? The doctor. (laughs) (laughs) The the doctor, professor, leader, whatever. So that was funny. But yeah. Did he say anything? No, he was so gracious. He was so gracious. That's amazing. Um, It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It was very hard. hard. But then it was a nightmare because he had to uh, be under this. I understand now that it needed to be bigger than that. It needed to have psychotherapy Mm -hmm. and everything else in it because it's such a complex situation. But he was very difficult and it was impossible. You can't do something for someone or mm-hmm. want something for someone unless the other person participates. And it's, it, that is to say that for him, he tried over and over again. So this is those things like our relationships with food are so complicated and it does take actual therapy to get rid of it. And I know this from personal experience and I'll talk about that in a second, but he did try over and over again. And there was a moment where he lost a hundred pounds. I don't know if you remember that mom, but like, I remember him getting the treadmill, being on the treadmill, the massive amounts of sweat because he loved actually to work out. Well, he used to be an athlete. He, he used, used to be, to be a, a football, football player. player. Yeah. And then he coached kids, you know, he coached, um, what were they? The Colts, the Tamiami Colts. The Tamiami Colts. Um, so they were like the, the little guys. They were so adorable. And he, he, he loved that, you know, and that was that active part of him was really interesting and, and, and very much like he enjoyed it and you could see it. He enjoyed it as much as the food, you know, it was just as exciting. But then he would lose the weight and he would gain it back. It was very hard. And I think that you do need a massive amount of therapy to break the cycle of the problem that, that links you, whatever that is. Like for me, I had a massive eating disorder in my 20s. It was pretty bad, you know? I'm so sorry. Why are you sorry? Well, not your fault. (laughs) After a while, you have to take responsibility for your own life, you know? 
but it was really bad and I had everything. I had massive anorexia, bulimia, every every eating disorder you can imagine I had it and for a good amount of time for a huge amount of my 20s until the day that I decided I can't do this anymore. It was actually not all of my 20 it was it was from about the age of 22 to 30 because the day of my 30th birthday um I was already in therapy for a while. But I remember there was one day where I was I was living with my boyfriend at the time and he was away and I had time on my by myself and I was like I can't keep doing this. I can't keep living like this because it really takes over your life, which is the point of it. It's a system created to sort of distract you from your the problem that you're not wanting to face. Do you remember what I begged you to do? What? All those years? What? Go to therapy, go to right. therapy, go but to therapy. You didn't go to therapy. I you didn't. should go to therapy. So then I was like, well, now you're... it's the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I did end up that time that my um, I was living with my boyfriend. He was away on a work trip and I was by myself and I just I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to therapy. I'm getting rid of this no matter what. And it's so crazy because at some point it's like you have to tell someone this thing that's so secret and so this horrible part of your life that is a huge part of your life and you you can't talk about it with anyone. It's like, all of this is so boring also. This is why I never talk about it. It's just so dull and boring. It's like um, David Foster Wallace used to say that like talking about drug addiction is so boring. And it is, it's just dull. But I was like, I'm getting rid of this. I'm going to get rid of this no matter what. I started to search for therapists and found one. And I went um, once a week. I think I started out twice a week, then once a week. And then it was less than that until she was like, you're done. <laughs> she was like, you have graduated. Thank um, you, Lord. Yeah. But it did, it did um, you know, it solved a lot in terms of giving you a ton of tools. But do you think that the, the, do you think, this is the first time, by the way, that we're talking about this in yeah. this context. Yeah. Do you think that it was the food that his eating or was it his character, how, who he was? Are you talking about dad? Yes. Like, and how it affected And me? how it affected you this well, way. Well, obviously, the fact that he used that he did that with food obviously trickled down to me in some way, shape or form, but the reverse, like if he ballooned, I was like, I'm restricting everything. And then if it ever is like too much, I'm going to take it all out. Like I can't have that. You know, it was like the opposite. It was the absolute opposite reaction to the thing, but that was not the main issue to talk out in therapy. Like, it wasn't like, oh, are you like your dad who had it? No, it was like, what is it that you are not wanting to face that you've created this thing, this like way of maneuvering and, and controlling everything? You know what I mean? To to distract you from everything that, that's going on. And that takes a long time. It's really, and you don't want to go because it's so embarrassing, you know? And the, the therapist is just so, the other thing is like, how did, how, I don't even know how, you, we didn't talk about it. How, really? When did you realize your father was obese? Because you didn't know he was obese when you were little. Um, I realized it probably like in middle school. Yeah, that was a long time to, yeah. to not notice, which is great. Yeah. Not because well, you're used to it. And it's really about how other people look. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which is another story. Yeah. Completely. So he was about 350 pounds, probably. It, it, I mean, it fluctuated between. It got to that. Yeah. It yeah. got to that. Um, throughout the years it got to that and then it stayed there for a while for a mm -hmm. long long while i feel like somehow no matter what 
the relationship to food right now is actually really awesome. Like you can leave that and come back. Like you could, you can get out of that for sure. And I think people feel very, very stuck because you can get into this dark, ugly space where you feel like, what I was going to say is that you have to tell someone these things and and you have to tell someone you don't know who you're going to tell and you can't tell anyone that you know and what are you going to do so i randomly chose <laughs> this this gastroenterologist which i had gone to who was so sweet i think that i i had gone to him for another reason because i had had to have like when i was younger a procedure in my esophagus like a, a, a what is it called an, an endoscopy an endoscopy yes and I just remembered him being so, so nice. So I just showed up in his office. I made an appointment, showed up in an office and it was like, he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, um, yeah, I kind of have a stomach ache. He was looking at me like, what's what? I was like, yeah, I just need, yeah, I've had an eating disorder for like, you know, eight years. Um, and he was the right person. To he tell. was the right person. It's a wonderful and man. he was like, he said so many lovely things. He basically hugged me <laughs> and he was like, you can't do that anymore. Can we say his name? I guess, uh, Moises. Moises Hernandez, yeah. Dr. Moises Hernandez. I don't even think he understands, like if he knew that he I was like, here's my know. coming he, out. That, yeah, it was, yeah. But he, it he changed was just my life. that kind of doctor. It changed my life to be able to just say it to someone. He did not have a negative reaction. He was just like, well, that needs to stop. You know, like I can't, you know. And, um, and then I went to therapy. So it's very, very interesting. And then once you tell one person, you can tell two. And when you tell two, you can tell three. And then all of a sudden, it's not a secret. It's not dark. It's not like something inside you. And then you can get rid of it, which is like the thing. But what for you, having a kid who was going through that, how do you deal with that? Because now I think about it as a mom and I'm like, what a freaking nightmare. It's horrid. And then you have to gingerly dance your way around that because it can, that can go really south. You, I, uh, I believe in a creator, whoever anyone conceives him or she to be. And I, um, I know that there's uh, other forces in the universe that help us. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and told you, go to therapy, go mm -hmm. to therapy. Because I knew that the only way that she could get out of that was through therapy. Yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like when you were talking about like the beauty of food, that quarantine brought us closer to food again because it brought us closer to our tables and our family and the actual sharing of food and like doing it right you know what i mean at least in in this little nest yes and i started you know making all of papang's recipes for my kids with my kids you know eventually i came to the realization that like i was kind of in this very bizarre way saying goodbye to him because i didn't know he was gonna die this year and i had just gone through all his you know the recipes that i knew by heart and cooking with your kids is so fun because they have no, they just have no good, inhibition. None. It's just like, this is great. Or this is disgusting. Or this is whatever. <laughs> right. It's just like a basic human reaction to the thing. Like my, my, um, my son, when he doesn't want to go to sleep at night and he wants to like, just like last night, he would not go to sleep. It was two in the morning and he was like, mommy, I want foods. I want foods. And he makes me go to the kitchen and give him food. <laughs> but it's so cute. It's like, there's something that I need right now. And I think it's food, you know, That's like some right. comfort. And I could just say like, no, let's go to sleep. But I could see that he like, he needs a little, like we say, tiene un huequito. Yeah. You know, there's like a, a little, little hole that needs to be filled. Uh, well, we have a problem with food in, uh, in society. society. And it's too bad because... Um, it, food it continues it's a beautiful thing i mean we it really is 
go to Italy and I'm trying to learn Italian too, but uh, talking about being a bad student, Vanessa doesn't know what a bad student is <laughs> unless she sees my class because Nicole, who's not here today, is uh, it's excellent. her, it's Nikki, Abu, my husband, Carlos, and myself, the class of three. And Nicole is a great Italian student. Carlos and I are so delinquent, but You're we're trying, it. we're trying, we're trying. You three are taking it together yes. and then I'm taking it with my business partner. Right. But somehow this is all going to end up in a big, massive food trip in Italy. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I already went in 2019. So that's yeah. where I was going. I was going to the place where you go into another culture. Um, people are, in general, not concerned about how many carbs am I eating? I, I didn't, I never heard about that. And you see people who are heavier and lighter. Nobody is really extraordinarily heavy um, or obese. And, and it's lovely. It's wonderful to see people plan for the food, which is what happened to us. We were forced during the pandemic um, to plan meals, to plan meals to and slower. to take time. We had to take time to do it and, and we were all in the same space exactly and yeah. so we for some reason we don't think it's important in you know those 16 hours that i talk about where you have all these things to do and where how, how am i going to move my chess mm -hmm. piece and how am i going to invest it today is we don't incorporate the preparing and planning and sitting down together at a table it's to hard. eat food it's hard because now we're back like we are back into the world and i'm like oh yeah, yeah cooking no yeah. Uh, i don't have time for that anymore let's yeah. go <laughs> you we know go back into and we go back bad yeah. habits it's bad but here we are yeah here we are with with poo again yeah. yes <laughs> i think we'll we'll leave off with poo also because he has this lovely little ending to to one of his stories and he says um, and this is kind of like Taika being like, I need food. I don't feel very much like Pooh today, said Pooh. There, there, said Piglet. I'll bring you tea and honey until you do. Hi. I adore Pooh. We'll see you next time and hope you have lovely meals between now and then. Yes. Bon appetit. <laughs> Ciao. Success, she says, all the great things ahead. I'll be here when it's time to see you again. And if you fall, she says, if someone breaks your heart, I'll mend your wounds in this nest of ours till you're ready to 